2: do I even know you anymore?
1: Of the In Between Podcast, Real discover ideas to build a strong, connected, and joy filled marriage and family. My name is Daniel M.
2: And I'm Christina M.
1: Well, when you said that, it was like oh, no. Anna. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, we'll get into We're the frozen like, tooth in a little like stuck bit later, between but, the yeah.
2: walls or whatnot <laughs> of the doors. It totally
1: sounded like that.
2: <laughs> Do you wanna build a family? Yeah. <laughs> yes, Frozen does make a little bit of a entrance into yeah. <laughs> our podcast today. It's not the focus, though. Exactly. No. <laughs> so we want to ask you a question. Is it possible for you and your spouse to live in the same house, sleep in the same bed, eat dinner around the same table, maybe be quarantined in the same space, and yet feel utterly alone? Actually, Absolutely. And if you feel this way, you are not alone. We want to validate that because it actually happens more often than couples talk about or are willing to confess.
1: Yeah, researcher and psychologist Dr. John Gottman discovered that the number one thing couples fight about is not money. Or is it in-laws or sex? Uh, Instead, most arguments in relationships are actually a little bit before that, and may be the thing that leads to some of these other arguments. But really, he found that most arguments are about a failure to connect emotionally.
2: Mm -hmm. Do you hear me? Do you see me? Do Mm -hmm. you know me? Right? He found that couples who divorced an average of six years after their wedding were the ones who turned toward each other only 33% of the times, while the couples who were together after six years turned toward each other 86% of the time. Wow. That's a huge difference, right? (laughs) That is 50% more. And when we're talking about turning toward each other is that if someone is saying your spouse is saying something... You're turning toward them rather than turning your back to them physically, but also emotionally, that you're opening your heart and your mind and your eyes to them versus shutting them out.
1: Mm, Yeah, which is why on today's episode, we want to share with you four ways to reconnect with your spouse when you're feeling disconnected. After more than a year of this pandemic, there has been a lot said,
2: or maybe unsaid, right?
1: (laughs) That may have left the both of you feeling more weary and alone. So on today's episode, we want to help redirect you to one another, instead of continuing to let the wedge grow between y'all. You know, during this pandemic, we've been watching a lot of Disney movies, (laughs) with Disney Plus, uh, (laughs) especially the making of Frozen 2. What we loved about this in particular, I mean, we loved the movie, but the making of it was such a fascinating behind the scenes look into how Disney does its magic, can create songs and stories that capture the hearts of both young and old. Now the interesting thing about Disney is that they've slowly taken a shift away from the, you know, the the your prince will swoop in and save you with a kiss. Yeah, kind of thankfully,
2: story. <laughs> seriously, I think that really messed up my like dating years. I'm like, where is my prince in shining armor? Mm-hmm. Not me. Yeah. Well, yeah, you finally <laughs> okay, came, sure. but yeah. we went through a lot of duds to get yeah. there. <laughs> okay, okay.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, so they moved away from that to uh, stories about everyday moments in the development of uh, characters romance.
2: Right. And I remember when Frozen 2 first came out, maybe y'all saw this too. There was a meme that literally blew up the internet. Women all over the world were exclaiming how their hearts melted in this moment. And it's not huge. Literally, it's Kristoff asking Anna, how can I help? Mm. Finally, right? Finally, (laughs) what a woman really wants was captured on the big screen. We don't need a knight in shining armor that fixes all of our problems or tries to fix all our problems with the way that he wants to fix it. Mm. Instead, we want a partner that listens and offers to help. I share this example because, really, a lot of our culture has gotten romance wrong for a long time, right? It's not about the grand gestures, the expensive trips, the huge jewelry, the homes and the cars. I mean, those are nice, but those things will not be the thing that builds connection and love. It's actually about the micro moments. As Dr. John Gottman says, love is cultivated during the grind of everyday Mm, life. Love that. It's a seemingly meaningless little moments of connection that are the most meaningful of all.
1: That's so countercultural, though.
2: (laughs) Right? It's like, how do you show that you love someone? Uh, You buy them flowers. Uh, You know, I remember hearing uh, one of my friends saying that she doesn't want to marry her fiance until he gets her at least a carrot diamond ring.
1: Are you serious? Because
2: (laughs) the size of the ring shows how much he loves her. Mm. And I remember thinking, (laughs) whoo. Yeah, <laughs> that's not going to get you through the through the hard times. It'll be a nice rock to look at. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, you know, jewelry or anything like that. But really, the relationship is not built on the number of carrots that you're wearing.
1: Yeah, or the amount of work that you do for the other person, mm-hmm. right? Because I mean, for me growing up, it was always, man, I saw the way that my dad loved my mom and my sisters and I were, was working. Yeah, providing. Working really hard and providing, which for me, it's like, yeah, I mean, we're not, we're second generation immigrants. Mm-hmm. We're not, we didn't immigrate ourselves and it's a little bit different for us. So it's so easy, unintentionally, for me to be like, okay, well, that's how I'm supposed to love. Right. Uh, Whereas the research really shows, I mean, those things are great. And yeah, I mean, there is a role of provision, but there is that side of, hey, how do we create these micro moments of connection?
2: Exactly. So love is built in the times when you and your spouse decide to have dinner together and talk about your day rather than watch a Netflix show in silence or scroll on your phones. Mm. I mean, there's if you're doing that sometimes, like we're not here to bash you or anything like that, but if you're really, that's the part of, you're choosing to turn toward each other Mm -hmm. by sharing a meal together versus turning away from each other and just being able to entertain yourself. For sure. It's in the tender touching of each other as you pass through the hallway or in the kitchen. You know, the quick kisses or pats on the butts or light squeezes of other body parts. (laughs) You know what I'm saying. It's even in the ways that your spouse is at the grocery store and calls to ask if you need anything else that you may have forgotten to write down or put the notes in the phone just to make sure you don't have to make an extra trip to the grocery store again that week.
1: Hmm. Now, what I love about that is it makes love tangible right? right it makes connection not this grand thing that costs a ton of money and effort and all that stuff mm-hmm. but it's it's those micro moments and it's not saying that man now all of a sudden bend the tv bend the shows but all you have to do is only talk to each other that's not what this is it's it's those micro moments Now, we love what Dr. John Koppman says about this. Um, In all relationships, people offer uh, a bid for each other's attention, affection, or support. Now, this can be as insignificant as, uh, can you please take the garbage out, uh, to something as significant as helping your partner deal with the struggles of a family member that is recovering from COVID.
2: Right. In these moments, we have a choice once again, as we're talking about, to turn towards our spouse or away from them, we can say, no, take out the garbage yourself, Mm. right? Or uh, your family member deserves to be sick because they weren't following the rules, Mm. right? That is example of turning away from each other. Now, if we turn towards our spouse, that's how we begin to build trust or we continue to build trust, emotional connection, and even a passionate sex life.
1: Yeah, what we're doing is we're investing into our emotional bank account. Uh, Every connected moment in your relationship, every bid response you and your spouse make, all of these things build up a savings of love that can be used during difficult times. Now, Dr. John Gottman has found that if a couple has more positive deposits than negative ones, they are less likely to distrust each other during hard times, right? There's a greater measure of trust Mm -hmm. that we give to one another when that positive overweighs those negative deposits. Now, but here's the thing. If on the flip side, if their emotional bank account is running empty, then the trust and the intimacy in your relationship will begin to fizzle.
2: Mm -hmm. I love how we're talking about this with married couples, but I also think, do you remember when you would see, maybe you're dating someone or you're single and you would see a happily married couple and you would ask them like, how did you know? Mm. How did you know that yeah. they were the one? And the worst answer we would <laughs> receive, right? It'd be you so just, frustrating.
1: Yeah, you just know. You just know.
2: <laughs> you just know when you know, right? Yeah. But looking at this, at Dr. John Gottman's, and we will be getting into a little bit of brain science as well, is it the fact that... Y'all learned how to turn toward each other, Mm -hmm. how to build trust, and uh, to to put relationship deposits into your bank account as you were dating and you continued to do that as you're engaged and then you wanted to take a step further in marriage because y'all knew that you were trusting and building something that was far greater than yourself.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. So
2: brain science has shown us that another word for this emotional bank account is attachment. You may be thinking back into high school or maybe your university courses when you're thinking of John Bowlby, do you remember mm-hmm. those Things they were talking about the the monkeys, and then they would be. Uh, do you remember this? No. No, you don't? Well, like, I did science? Oh, okay. No, yeah. well, this is part of science too, oh, okay. where it was like the, the baby monkeys would be with their moms or they would oh, be themselves yeah, yeah, and then yeah, yeah, they would yeah, actually yeah, yeah. be yeah. like trying to be attached to a fake monkey oh, that was wrapped right. in towels and all yeah. of that. <laughs> right. So that's, I mean, that's what attachment really we think of, right? We think of children and their parents. But actually, a lot more research is showing that this, this is something that we need to continue to foster and grow as adults. And with our spouses, that's really what love is all about. Mm. It is about attachment. It is a bond you share through good and bad times. Now you can choose to do loving things. You can choose to do kind things for your spouse. But think about this. You cannot actually choose to feel love. Hmm. However, the more joy you build into your marriage, the more you turn towards each other, the more that feeling of being in love and connected will stay strong and grow and continue to grow.
0: The wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. Hi, I'm Mike Naraki, co-creator of VeggieTales, voice of Larry the Cucumber, and author of The Dead Sea Squirrels. Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the Kidnap Gomez family out of Babylon, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books, available wherever books are sold.
1: Yeah, Another perspective is in the book, The Four Habits of Joy-Filled Marriages, and we interviewed them on an earlier episode, and we'll be sure to link that to the show notes org slash episode 142, because in that episode, Marcus Warner and Chris Kersey explained that falling in love is all about joy. So what that means is when you fall in love you actually experience what they call a joy explosion in your brain that floods your body with hormones like like dopamine and oxytocin that that make it hard not to smile. Yeah,
2: those butterflies in your stomach? Yeah. Right, those are actually chemicals in your brain. Yeah, (laughs) Not actually butterflies in your stomach. I don't know if you (laughs) thought that.
1: (laughs) So couples who stay in love throughout their married lives are the ones who excel at this, at keeping... Their joy levels high. Well, the opposite is also true. Low joy couples tend to be the ones that fall out of love. Why? Because of an absence of joy.
2: So, y'all know we like the nitty gritty, like getting into it. So, let's talk about how do we actually invest into our emotional bank accounts? How do we inject joy and in that explosion in our brains into our relationship? How do we reconnect with our spouse when we are feeling far away from one another and really lonely in our relationship? So let's dig into the four ways that we can reconnect with our spouse when we are feeling disconnected. So number one, update your love maps together.
1: Yeah, love maps is a phrase coined by Dr. Gottman to refer to our inner worlds. So when you choose to spend your life with someone, you hand them a map to your inner world. And your inner world includes things like the memories of your past, uh, the details of your present, and, and what your hopes are for the future. Your inner world, this thing that you're handing to your partner, includes your deepest fears and also your grandest dreams. But the map that you hand your partner, is uh, it's a pencil sketch. It's not in pen.
2: Right, because you're going to be filling out the map more and more as you... as you grow. So the task for couples is to intentionally be adding details to that map. If you think about a map and you're trying to go somewhere and it's only a pencil sketch, you don't know anything about uh, how far, like where is the legend? Is Mm. one line that looks like two centimeters, is it really like two kilometers or is it 200 kilometers? Is it to to scale? Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Where's north? You probably want to know that too on a map, right? Mm -hmm. Or else you are going all over the place. Over a course of a lifetime, you are constantly adding to your map. Now, a detailed love map brings perspective to the twists and turns that inevitably will happen in marriage.
1: And by knowing which direction is north is going to help you understand, hey, You know, who do we need to turn to? What are we turning to Mm -hmm. uh, in those difficult moments? And who are we thanking in times of joy?
2: Right. And why am I reacting like this? Mm -hmm. If you look back in the past, like, oh, actually, that was because of maybe a childhood wound that happened. So oftentimes we assume that our spouse feels heard and known, especially if we are talking, we're doing our date night, so on and so forth. The secret to understanding your partner actually comes, and I think we all know this, but we all wish <laughs> that our partners could read our minds, right? Mm-hmm. But that's not that's not what happens. Unfortunately, we can't do that. But rather, the secret to understanding your spouse is through the hard work of putting your spouse and relationship in a position where you can share openly and honestly, where you can share the upcoming. States of your map where you can share your dreams and your hopes
1: yeah precisely now in this past year which has been a year like none other mm-hmm. to there, say it lightly <laughs> yeah, there, there have been so many things that have changed and man so much that has just been out of control and out of our control as well yeah and so perhaps in the survival mode of it all I wonder how many of us have forgotten to update our love maps for for one another Mm -hmm. and how much our love maps have actually changed because of this past year.
2: Right. So some questions to ask yourself if you're wondering, I wonder if um, my love map is updated or I know my spouse's current love map. So do you know your spouse's worries and stresses at the moment Yes, I think we're all a little stressed about COVID and whatnot, but is there something beneath that as well that's Mm -hmm. worrying them? What are your spouse's hopes and aspirations as things start to open up again? What are their goals for this year? Are they different from last year, considering last year and this year might look very different for y'all?
1: Now, when you think about these questions... Uh, The only way that you can understand your partner better is to, number one, actually ask them. Ask them these questions. Don't assume that you know, Mm -hmm. even if maybe they hinted at it a little bit here or there. No, just straight out ask them these questions. What are your worries and stresses? What are your hopes and aspirations? what are your goals and are they different from last year? I mean, those questions in and of itself can be a date night where you're not assuming, but you're asking and you're remembering what they say. And after that, you're asking follow-up questions. I mean, that is how you build connection. That is how you understand one another.
2: Wow, I love how you're just saying, not just asking questions, Mm -hmm. but also remembering the answers. Yeah, Because I think we've all been in the position, perhaps with our spouse or a coworker, a friend, where they ask you a question and you're answering and you know they're not listening. And mm-hmm. like, how does that, does that build a closer connection? No, you just are thinking in your head, why are you even asking if you're not bothering to take the time to listen to my answer? Yeah. And yeah. then the following of that is, I love how you're saying, keep asking questions because you're digging deeper. Mm-hmm. I know y'all, if this is something you haven't done before or you're doing it for the first time in a long time, when someone asks you, hey, can you tell me more about that? Maybe your guard was up before but it starts to come down you're like oh you actually do care you are wanting to hear me and you are wanting to listen instead of being like i remember um, that happened to me once i had a story about that when i was 10 <laughs> and you're like great it's about you isn't it yeah yeah right so yeah. i think those are really key points daniel mm.
1: and and it's lifelong right you never yeah. it, it's not a box that right. you check off and you're done Now, this practice of connecting and asking each other questions and keeping our love maps updated has really been a tried and true lifesaver for our relationship Mm -hmm. these past couple of years. Oh, completely. I mean, there's been so much change that's happened in such a short amount of time. And we're not just talking about COVID, right? We're talking about moving back to Canada from the States, experiencing two back-to-back car accidents, finding out that my dad has cancer me transitioning into the lead pastor role at our church, the whole world literally shutting down, and then us taking a journey into homeschooling. I mean, I mean, there was a lot to keep up with. Yeah,
2: who decided to do all that?
1: <laughs> That's true. That's true. But yeah, but by continuing to update our love maps, mm-hmm. we were really able to stay connected through the big and also through the nuances of this all.
2: Mm-hmm. I remember Daniel, one of the most meaningful conversations we had as we were starting the homeschooling journey was you continuing to ask me how how can I help? You self proclaimed yourself as the janitor. <laughs> And the dishwasher of the Imagination Homeschool. Mm-hmm. Y'all, did you realize kids can have so many dishes? <laughs> like, really? I felt like I was living life in the kitchen behind yeah, the sink. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> uh-huh. And Daniel, the fact that you stepped in and became the dishwasher, it spoke your love so loudly to me. Mm. Not because I hate to clean up, but because you knew and you saw and you heard that I had a lot more responsibilities than I had anticipated Mm -hmm. and that I had signed up for pre-homeschooling and pre-COVID. So that was your way of showing love, asking me what I need, and also looking for ways where you can step in and serve our family.
1: Yeah. So- All the things that we've been talking about in this first step is really only one of the ways to reconnect with your spouse, right? That's updating your love maps together. The second way that, man, this is an incredible way to reconnect with your spouse when you're feeling disconnected is to pray for your spouse, but not just pray for them, but pray with them as well. You know, during this long season of transition, not only upon coming back to Canada, but even before that, Praying for each other has been uh, this is such a lifeline for us, Christina, to mm-hmm. to stay connected. I mean, daily we're praying for one another. Mm-hmm. And at least once a week we're praying with each other after spending time really just sharing from our hearts what we are bringing before God. And what we, what we would love for each other to bring before God for one another and for our family. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so.
2: Yeah, and. I know we've talked about this a lot before with couples and even individually. For some of you, it may be quite nerve-wracking to pray aloud for one another. Mm. Maybe you aren't used to praying aloud or you honestly are not quite sure what to say. We're here to say, you know, y'all, that's okay. And we've heard this many times If you aren't quite ready to pray aloud with your spouse, uh, one idea would be to choose a scripture passage to read over your spouse as a blessing. So let's say, for example, you're talking and your spouse is just feeling really exhausted and tired and weary. You can look up on a Bible app or even, you know, if you have your physical Bible, you can look up in the back sometimes if it's study Bible and say, mm-hmm. uh, you know, passages for tiredness or weariness, yeah, that's right. uh, and you may be able to pick that one out and then read a passage of scripture that encourages them. So let's use Isaiah 40, 28 to 31 to illustrate this.
1: Yeah, and unless you're driving, <laughs> close your eyes, pause, and just Allow us to read this over you. And in the same way, you can read this over your spouse as well.
2: Don't you know who made everything? Haven't you heard about him? The Lord is the God who lives forever. He created everything on earth. He won't become worn out or get tired. No one will ever know how great his understanding is. He gives strength to those who are tired, he gives power to those who are weak. Even young people become worn out and get tired. Even the best of them trip and fall. But those who trust in the Lord will receive new strength. They will fly as high as eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not grow weak. So you can read that passage over your spouse. You can even put your spouse's name into the scripture. And you can say, A simple prayer like, God, I pray that you would give strength to my spouse and help him or her to trust in you and receive new strength.
1: Mm, Love that. The power of God's word. Yeah. Another idea would be to pick a chapter from the Psalms and to take turns reading verse by verse. And we recommend the Psalms because really they're prayers. They're laments to God. They're songs to God. And when you don't have the words, the prayer of the Psalms give you words. They, they, they'll they give voice to what you might be thinking and feeling inside. And they shape the way that we pray as well. Mm-hmm. Afterward, after reading that, you can talk about which verse sticks out to you and why. And you can even use that verse as a launching point to pray for and with your spouse as
2: well. Right. And we'll link some passages of the Psalms that we have prayed through and continue to pray through if you're looking for more direction. You can find that at inbetween.org episode 142. And on a side note, if you're looking for a Bible translation to read like you are speaking, we recommend the message and the CSB, which stands for Christian Standard Bible, are great ones to look up. You can even find everything on BibleGateway.com for yeah. free.
1: Yeah, like all the translations. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. One last idea would be to listen to a worship song together. Hold hands, cuddle, and close your eyes to listen to the words if that helps you focus. Or you can look up the lyrics online and follow along and sing together. So that's the second way that you can reconnect with your spouse if you're feeling disconnected. That's praying for and with your spouse. Uh, third one is to look for fun. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> so think back to your early days of dating one another. Do you remember, I remember, how meticulously you planned out the day dates or time to be with one another right Mm -hmm. you thought about what you would wear you would thought about which restaurant you would go to (laughs) you would you would think about where to park so that they don't have to walk too long or pay too much you know (laughs) our guess is that having fun together or creating special moments when you were dating came pretty naturally Hmm. right you really wanted to try hard to impress one another For Daniel and I, we dated long distance for a year, so we had to be creative in the ways that we had fun long distance. But when we would visit one another in a person, it was a lot of introducing each other to what is fun in our city because we lived in different cities. Mm -hmm. By taking an interest in each other's interests and passions and what made us smile, we found more and more ways to have fun together.
1: Yeah, and as life goes on, it's important to continue to have fun together and and grow in the ways that you play together by building new hobbies and interests.
0: This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At BOW, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org.
1: For us, one of our hobbies, and this may sound funny, but we really do love doing this together, is to explore new coffee shops and restaurants.
2: It's because we like to eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and right. we like coffee. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. so when all the restaurants closed down for us here in Edmonton to eat inside and it was too cold for us to sit outdoor on their patios, we turned to snowboarding. And for us as teenagers, we both snowboarded, but we hadn't done it together as adults. So when we picked it back up, we found that it was an incredible way to spend time together, exercise, enjoy the fresh air, and truly have fun. In podcast family, the point is not what you do, but that you grow in the ways that you can have fun sharing life together.
2: Yeah. And maybe you're thinking, I don't live near the mountains, and I don't have snow, so what am I supposed to do? (laughs) Well, looking for fun doesn't actually have to involve mountains or snow. Mm. (laughs) Doesn't have to involve money or even going anywhere. You can build fun into your marriage by even setting certain traditions. Maybe y'all have a favorite song. Maybe it's something that you, the first dance, you danced to when you got married. But you can have this tradition where Mm. you can play the song on your phone And no matter what you're doing at that time when you or your spouse plays it, you stop what you're doing and you dance together. You have three (laughs) minutes. Right. You could probably even find a shorter version if you want, mm. <laughs> where you just literally drop everything you're doing, come together and slow dance or maybe do the chicken dance or something, you know, <laughs> that makes dance. you
1: smile.
2: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or maybe on the 28th day of every month, you put the kids to bed early or put on a movie for them and you eat dinner together over candlelight. For us, one of our longstanding traditions is that we go to bed early when the sheets are freshly washed. We enjoy each other's company and bodies that night. It's something fun that we both look forward to, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, like yesterday, right? (laughs) Yeah,
2: like when you hear, hey, I'm washing the sheets. We yeah, both break the into a no smile. kids have no idea
1: what we're talking about. <laughs> I
2: read they're like, "Why are they so happy? They're washing their sheets." <laughs> oh yeah, it's a tradition that we know will lead to fun.
1: Yeah, that's right. So that's a great way to reconnect with your spouse. That fun with one another. The fourth way to reconnect with your spouse is to appreciate them daily and to build a culture of respect. More than ever, you've probably realized that your spouse isn't perfect, right? (laughs) Especially when you're together all Uh, the time. So take two imperfect people, Mm -hmm. uh, stick them into an instant pot, (laughs) right? Have that extreme amount of pressure, stress, grief, lock them up for a year. And what do you get?
2: Probably a disaster, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, in many ways, this is what our relationships have gone through. We haven't asked for it. We weren't prepared to go through it. So how in the world do you build an environment of appreciation in the midst of it all? Well, it's with a mind shift. When we're able to wrap our heads around the fact that we all have personality flaws, that, that we are all wrong at times, and that we're all sinners and fall short of the glory of God, that we're all children of God, then we're able to give ourselves and our spouse some breathing room. So instead of focusing on your spouse's flaws or inadequacies, you can actually learn to accept them.
2: Wow, what a powerful mind shift that would be, right? Mm. So when you can, take the time to express what you cherish about your spouse. The idea here is to catch your spouse doing something right and say, hey, thanks for doing that. I noticed that you took my car for a car wash when I, when the car really needed it like ours <laughs> does. And I really appreciate it. Or thank you for making the bed this morning. Thank you for changing the sheets. Mm-hmm. It makes the room look so fresh and organized. I truly appreciate it. Each time you do this, y'all, your spouse feels emotional connection. Yeah. Now catch your spouse doing something right instead of catching your spouse doing something wrong because sometimes our our mind can really go there, right? The Mm -hmm. nitpicking.
1: Yeah. Now, we want to point out that there is a big difference between just saying thank you and feeling appreciation. As Marcus Werner and Chris Kersey point out, the simple thank you is a left brain task that does little, if anything, to bond people together. The feeling of appreciation, though, is a right brain experience that bonds people enjoy. So taking the time to dwell on what we appreciate about our spouse versus just saying thank you is powerful. And when you combine it together, that's that whole brain appreciation going on.
2: Mm-hmm. Think about it like this. Appreciation is like putting on glasses when everything else in your environment looks fuzzy. It brings clarity to what you are thankful for all around you. Mm -hmm. It is often the hidden ingredient that determines if a marriage is strong or weak. Brain science has shown us that brains that are trained on appreciation will scan the environment for good things and be able to notice them. Is that interesting? Yeah. Well, on the opposite hand, an untrained brain becomes critical and finds fault in other people really quickly.
1: Hmm. So this is our challenge for you, podcast family, this week. Look for ways to appreciate your spouse. When you appreciate them, and not just say thank you, but when you really do appreciate them, it's going to build emotional connection. And as a result, you're going to be making so many positive deposits into your relationship's emotional bank account. So if you were on the run or driving when you listened to this episode and you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah I I remember that one. But what was the, what was the second one again? What was mm-hmm. the first one? Just go to inbetween.org slash episode 142. Right. That's today's episode number on our site. And you're going to find our show notes. And actually, that's going to be a really easy way to share this episode too with your spouse or with someone else. Uh, so it, maybe there are other couples that you're journeying with and, and you're like, ah, you know, this is gonna be so good for what if we all do this together and we keep each other accountable. So hit the share button on your podcasting app, send this episode over to them and be like, Hey, can you listen to this? I'd love to talk to you about it. I'd love for you guys to keep us accountable Mm -hmm. and and vice versa. If you would like, Uh, you can do that that way, or just by texting them the link inbetween.org slash episode 142.
2: And before we say goodbye, we just want to thank you for listening, but also ask you to subscribe to our podcast. That way you will never miss an episode because we have so many wonderful interviews and conversations that are coming your way. We don't want you to miss any of them.
1: Awesome. We'll catch you next week.